Hi, and welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. And I'm Kerrigan Santos. Thanks for joining me today, Kerrigan, on today's Mid-South Viewpoint. Thank you for having me. You are our newest team member assigned to the production department doing commercials, programs, and from time to time hosting this show. And we are so glad to have you. Welcome aboard. I'm excited. Thank you so much. Well, today's show, Kerrigan, we're going to pull from our Mid-South Viewpoint archives. Yes, I've selected portions from three separate programs that I know will be very insightful and encouraging for our listeners. Let's jump in with an interview we did with two gentlemen from the Leadership Empowerment Center in Frazier, Marquino Douglas and Cameron Cobb. The conversation picks up with Marquino telling us about growing up in a family with gang members. I think you made a key point there too, Marquino, that heritage, your father in a gang, a lot of folks think this is just young kids uh-huh. having fun or being mischievous. But no, I mean, sometimes your generational gang activity where your parents are involved. Absolutely. Was that the case for you, Cameron? No, sir. That wasn't the case for me. Uh, my mom and my dad, to my knowledge, they wasn't really in no gang. But I feel like my brothers got a hold of it because of my oldest brother. He started out, he was in the gang. My brother under him wanted to be in the gang, and my brother under him wanted to be in the gang, and it just stopped me. And I'm thankful for God for make, um, allowing me to make that decision. Yeah. Your mom has worked very hard mm-hmm. to provide for four boys. Right. That's a lot. <laughs> I know I was a, from a single parent home, but my mom was a single parent, and yeah. she worked really hard. Had to be up at 3.30 in the morning to go to work. Man. And I remember her doing it just to provide for me growing up. So it's tough. It's tough. You know? Very tough. Then when you see your kids are involved in gang life, some night they might not come home to be around the mm-hmm. dinner table. That's tough, yeah, Marquino. Yeah. It is very tough. tough. I'm the third of eight in a single parent household and my mom she got fired from a lot of jobs dealing with eight kids you know whether it was the police calling or the principal calling and saying we couldn't up at school Mm -hmm. or just stuff going on in the house so i definitely know um how tough it is for a single parent to raise Mm -hmm. four boys and Mm -hmm. you know what are some of the priorities for Innovation Church Memphis with the end zone student ministry when it comes to having a ministry in the middle of such a volatile community, poverty, crime, and trying to instill in young men and young women like Cameron here to walk with Christ. Absolutely. So the vision of our church is to innovatively evangelize the lost, to empower the believer for kingdom living, and commit to building godly families uh, for the glory of God. So it is in our vision uh, and our mission statement to build godly families. Mm -hmm. And I think it starts with building young people like Cameron. Well, first starting with the parents, but because of Leadership Empowerment Center, our nonprofit, we focus more on youth. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's building right. our young people with the gospel of Jesus Christ in the hopes that their lives being change agents, that it trickles into their family and those lives are changed as well. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely a part of the print and the focus of Innovation Church. And Cameron, you too have been part of the Leadership Empowerment Center. Yes, sir. Uh, do you remember when you first started mm-hmm. attending? What was that like for you? It was a great experience. Uh, when I first started attending, I was on a mission trip. Like, that was my first time officially being on a um, leadership team. It started when I was in middle school learning center, after school program, helped us with homework and things like that. But that feeling like it was just this irresistible environment where, like, I couldn't leave. Like, the people there that was, that was loving, they always threw a whole bunch of knowledge on us, and it was just a great experience, and I loved it. You said something very key there, Cameron. 
you were challenged, weren't you? Yes, sir. And, and I think, and I've talked, I had my good friend, Dr. Carolyn Bibbs, you know, yeah. with Creative Life Inc. downtown doing a great job in the, in the school ministry that she does. There's potential in young people that needs to be sparked. And when they're around, like you said, friends can make a difference, negative or positive. Absolutely. And you being in the neighborhood through the Empowerment Center to make positive challenges so these students can discover really the life that God has for them. And the beautiful thing about that, Byron, and people ask all the time, like, what is your why? Uh, For you, Byron, you do the radio station. So what is your why? Why have you done this for however many years you've done this? And my why to why I do youth ministry and why I'm at Leadership Empowerment Center is I've seen what God has done in my life. And because God has changed my life, it has changed lives in my family and it has changed lives around the community with young people. So Cameron Cobb is just a recipient of what God has done in Pastor Myron that trickled down to me that is now trickling down to Cameron Cobb. It's a beautiful thing. It is beautiful. So Cameron, what are some of your goals? I mean, what do you want to do? I know you're at UT Martin Martin right now. I'm majoring in business management and I want to take that into the world. I want to be a leader, be able to lead my life, be able to lead the people around me, my family. Right now, my goal is to finish college, um, yeah. get through college, finish. Not a, um, a lot of my family members have finished college, not even even went. Like, they haven't even attempted to go to college. Yeah. But I feel like I'm pretty sure that that's going to end with me. That's my goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's my whole thing. I got to finish college. Like, it's a generational thing. Like, you're going to lead a generation off of what you did, like your decision making, yeah. stuff you accomplished in life. So that's my whole goal. Oh, I love that. I love that. And, you know, when you come back home mm-hmm. for like breaks like you are right now, you have that positive environment, yes. you know, yes. back then. Irresistible. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Irresistible. <laughs> this, ir- this word irresistible. Uh-huh. <laughs> Tell me about it, Marquino. <laughs> uh, actually, that, when we started Zone, which is our student ministry for Innovation Church, mm-hmm. um, that was a part of the planning process. Like, we wanted to create an irresistible environment. And they did. Because when the environment is irresistible, then kids want to come. And when kids want to come, we got some for you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're going to give you some Jesus. How do you create irresistible environment? How do you do that? All right, so if you if you were to come to Innovation Church and come down to our student ministry, we got video games out. We have things that kids love to do, yeah. uh, board games out. We play big group games, smaller group games, uh, do small groups, uh, minister the Word of God, and we feed them. <laughs> there you go. Food. <laughs> they eat food. And uh, so that's how you create an irresistible environment. So when they go leave church and they're telling their moms and dads, uh, when they ask them, uh, how did you enjoy service? Like, well, uh, how was in zone? Oh, man, they're going to tell them. They're going to make sure that they get back the next Sunday. So yeah. that's how we create an irresistible environment. Where does God's word, where does the Bible fit into this leadership empowerment? It is the basis and foundation of everything that we do. We believe, I was literally even on the way over here just sharing with Cameron Cobb, the decisions you make, if it is not because you want to please God, if it is not because you want to honor his word, then, man, it's just a matter of time before you fall. Mm -hmm. So it has to be for the glory of God, and that is the foundation that we make all our decisions. How have you seen, Cameron, God's word practically applied to your life where you are right now? Is there a portion of scripture that has stood out to you that mm-hmm. you kind of... My favorite scripture, all-time favorite scripture, Psalms 119.11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That has been with me for so long just because you have to get in this word. Like, it's a requirement. Like, if you don't, you're going to fall eventually. Like, your why has to be... It can't just be me. I'm, I'm just like this person. Like, I'm just... 
I'm just going through life. It got to be Jesus. It's got to be you getting this word, spending time with him, yes. devotion. That's yes. what it's got to be for, for your life to be amazing and, and to have, like, a life that's pleasing to God. That's what it's got to be. Oh, you got to get my. in the word. The word hidden in our hearts so that we won't sin. Yes. Because God's word instructs us. It really spells it out. God's word tells us how yeah. to walk, how to be yeah. submissive yeah. to the Holy Spirit yes. each day. Have a fresh day that we can offer to God as a living sacrifice Absolutely. that Romans talks about. Yes, right? man. Yes. And that is that is why we do what we do. You understand what I'm saying? That's why, um, you know, the gospel or uh, the principles of the, the Bible are very important to yes. innovation and leadership practice. You're listening to Mid-South Viewpoint here on BOD Radio Network. I'm Kerrigan Santos along with Byron Tyler. You know, Byron, the National Day of Prayer is this Thursday, May 4th. There are several places around town that listeners can join prayer groups to pray for our city, state, and nation. Here's a couple. Call your Town Square at noon. The ceremony will be led by local pastors and leaders. Shelby Farms Hyde Pavilion at 2 p.m. till sunset. Pray with Awaken Memphis May 4th in beautiful Shelby Farms Park. Also, Kerrigan, Bartlett City Hall, Japanese Gardens from noon to 1. That's behind the City Hall. You'll pray and hear from local leaders as they come together. One more in Millington, Baker Community Center from noon until 1. And they have a check-in time at 1145. I also want to mention that on Thursday, May 4th, the National Day of Prayer, Bot Radio Network will present a special live stream of the 2023 National Prayer Gathering, 7 p.m. here on AM 640, FM 93.7, and FM 100.7. You can join host Kathy Branzell and co-host Samuel Rodriguez, along with Dr. Tony Evans, Jack Graham, Francis Chan, Nick Hall, and others. Again, that's Thursday, 7 p.m. Byron, as we move into this next portion of our show, you spoke with Melanie Red from Women Living Courageously, a podcast ministry to women that's produced by Love Worth Finding. Melanie reminds us that we can have joy in our lives when faced with dark and difficult times. It seems like it's so dismal. I mean, is there really hope? The clouds can kind of roll in even on Christians, thinking it's getting dark. Where is my future? It's good to be reminded that we can have joy, and it comes through Christ, but we've got to get back into understanding the source of that joy and how we need to depend upon Him and hold on to Him during these times. Right. There's a verse that says, we don't live as those who have no hope. And I think as Christians, we just have to sort of pull up by the bootstraps and keep moving forward. We we can get really discouraged, Byron. I think all of us have had those moments. Um, but one of my prayers is that I'll be an encouragement. I talk to discouraged people, especially discouraged women, quite often. And so one of my prayers has been that this ministry will just help people to understand it's okay to be laughing and crying at yes. the same time. Yes. I think Sally Field said in, <laughs> in Steel Magnolias, you know, that's her favorite when you're laughing and crying at the same time. And it's okay to be sad and still have joy. And it's okay to be concerned and still have joy. And probably it's going to be mixed together all in there. And I think sometimes when women see women like yourself, well, they've got it all together. They have no hardships. There's been no difficulty. But you say in one of your blogs, looking back over the chaos and crazy of the last two years, I remember distinctly hitting a rough patch. 
What was the rough patch that you hit? I think I just hit it. Was, it, it was right after Randy had had some surgery. My husband had three stents put in. And I can remember it was 2020. We just had to cancel everything. And I remember, like most people, I had that moment, those days, where I just got real downhearted. Yeah. And so I share one, one of the things I did is I felt like God just led me to turn on some praise music. And so I literally now, I, do, I did it this morning. Yeah. So I can tell you, yeah. I go in my closet with my earbuds and my music. You mean your literal closet? My literal closet with the dog. <laughs> Please leave the dog comes he, he's gotten used to it but i'll have a five minute praise moment you know and i tell people i'm you know i'm a i'm a conservative thinker but in the closet i'm a little charismatic um but it, it, it's something about praising and worshiping and remembering god's still god yes. he knew all this was going to happen yeah. and he hasn't changed just because yeah. we feel unsteady or uncomfortable yeah. or we don't like it but yeah. there's something about when we praise byron and we we once again put him in his rightful place as he is god and he's in control our hearts changed too. For the past couple of years, you've been singing a song over and over. What's that song? Oh. Is, is it the same song? <laughs> well, there's one that I really love. And actually, it came on the radio when I was on my way over here. Uh, but it, it's a song by Hillsong, which I, I saw them. They were in, in the Memphis area, and so I saw them in person. But they they have a song. It's a duet between these two girls, and, and it's called Awake My Soul and Sing. And it was like God said to me, you need to wake that soul up and sing. And so there's I did on the way over here, there's something about praise and worship that lifts our focus yes. from all the drudgery up to the fact that God is still in the heavens and he's still in charge. Wait, doesn't it say, Melanie, that God inhabits the praise of his people? Yeah. And that is on the bottom of the list with prayer, really, in our lives, unfortunately, where we should be praising and praying at the top. Right. You're right. And I tell women all the time, I'm like, if I had a lady call me. I was out at the ball fields one day. This was years ago, and she was crying, and she was really upset. And she said, what should I do? And I sent her to her closet. I said, you need to go get on your face <laughs> and spend some time with the Lord. But not just crying out, but also praising Him. You're yeah. right. When we when we sing and we worship and we praise, and you don't have to use music. I just think it's easy and it helps. Yeah. But it does affect us yes, in a does. really good way. You know, I've heard, I'm assuming the story is true, that Dr. Charles Stanley has in his office a corner that's designed it's like a prayer closet he can get away to. He just goes in and gets along with God. You don't have to have that. You don't have to go into a closet, obviously. But I think the key is to get away from the distractions. I mean, it might be a walk in the woods out by Her Parsons Lake, Shelby Farms. But maybe it's just in your backyard and your patio. Maybe it is just in your house, a room or something. You can get along with God and just worship Him. And sometimes... I think it's necessary for us to really to fall on our face before God. Absolutely. I, I believe he. Uh, you see it over and over, in the, especially in the Psalms, where David's just on his face and he's crying out and he's praying. But, it, you know, God hasn't moved. He hasn't changed. Nothing has been affected. I, I think about, and I have, can I tell a Dr. Rogers story? Sure. He had a joke he used to tell about a couple that had been married a long time. And the man looks over and, and the wife says to him, honey, why don't you sit by me anymore? And he looks at her and he said, I have not moved. And uh, <laughs> she was the one that is scooted closer to the door. And I think sometimes we forget God hasn't moved. Yeah. He's still driving and he's still sitting in the same seat, but yes. we've moved. Yes. And we've kind of lost heart or lost hope, or we've looked out the window and thought the world is going going, you know, crazy on me. And so I think, Byron, we just are reminded once again, um, Hebrews says, Hebrews 12, verse 2, it says, fix your eyes on Jesus, Ooh. the author and finisher of your faith. And yeah. so if you're discouraged today or you're having a hard time, get your eyes back on the person that's not moved. God has not moved. He hasn't moved. Yeah. Melanie, what is the biggest and most consistent heart cry of the women that you talk to today? 
Well, that's a good one. I, a lot of it's marriage, Byron. A lot of women are struggling in their marriages. But I think a lot of, there's just a lot of sadness. Women are fearful. They're afraid of what, what does the future look like for my children? What does it look like for my grandchildren? What, what is happening in our world? And I, I think fear may be the biggest thing, the okay, bottom right. line concern, fear yeah. over everything. And so that anxiety, yeah. fear, depression right. is a big oh, yeah. one. Yeah. yeah, I think we're seeing that. How important is it to discover your identity, that it isn't in how you raise your kids, keep your house, or support the family? It's really in your relationship to Jesus Christ. Yeah, absolutely. Often I will encourage women, if you will fill your cup with him to the point where it's overflowing, if Jesus will fill your cup and you'll spend time with him, you open the word, you journal, you pray, you get on some good Christian music, you read from some inspirational books. If you'll fill your cup with Jesus, everything else will be better. Everything else will be okay because (laughs) you won't be jostled. If you're jostled, all that fullness just spills out. Uh, But when we don't fill our cup and we're dry, then we try to do it in our own strength and it doesn't work. Yeah, and then the irritants and the anger and the frustration comes out when we're jostled, yeah. you know? Such a good point. That goes for us guys, too. You know, we really need to do that. Well, as a minister's wife and as one who serves in ministry yourself, have you ever had a place where you struggled with your identity in Christ? Maybe getting your focus off? Oh, sure. It's all of us do. Yeah. Nobody looks yeah. in the mirror every day and says, oh, life is great. Everything's great. And, and I will tell you, one of the sweetest things that I, I guess, over the, especially over the past couple of years, that, that God's reminded me is just that I am loved. And I think mm-hmm. if you can grasp the fact that He just loves you, you can't yes. change it. You can't make Him love you less, yes. that He just adores you. <laughs> you know, yes. I think of Romans 8, where the Bible says, nothing can separate us from His love. And so, Byron, when I really grasp that, not just the Jesus loves you. But when I really realized Jesus loves me Me. and he loves everything about me and I'm okay to him and and I'm accepted in him, there's something about that that's very free because he made me, I'm a little goofy and a little quirky and I laugh a little too loud. Well, you know what? He made me that way and he he loves me anyway. (laughs) So I think there's something about when we can grasp that, that that we don't get so insecure over every little thing. I really enjoyed sharing that time with Melanie Red from Women Living Courageously. Again, it's a podcast ministry to women that's produced by Love Worth Finding Ministries. If you would like to connect with Melanie, go to her website, oweg.org. That stands for Ordinary Women, Extraordinary God, oweg.org. Now, as we conclude today's show, we're going to take you to Africa, where one local Memphis businessman is distributing God's word to reach their nation with the gospel and help grow and strengthen the church. You co-founded Africa Bible Ministries to provide shepherded Bibles to those in Africa who are thirsty for God's word but cannot afford a Bible. Often the issue of literacy comes up. If people can't read, how effective is the Bible in their hands? You know, if I can kind of back up a minute, sometimes we think of those that don't have a Bible, maybe they're lesser than Christians. Yes. But they're really not. Uh, My experience is in Uganda, where I've been many times, the worship service there just brings me into the presence of God in a way that it doesn't happen here. So their worship is vibrant. It's focused on Him. And then when you talk to individual Christians, you know, I have hope in my retirement account. I have hope in my position. We have hope in a lot of different things here. But many of these folks have very little to hope for except in Jesus Christ. So watching, seeing, experiencing that hope 
uh, just brings um, me to tears sometimes because they are so found, even though they don't have a Bible, they are not lesser than Christians. No. But literacy in Uganda in particular is relatively high. Uh, someone said it's 90%, I would guess 70 to 80%, depending on where you are and the tribes that you're dealing with. The national language, interestingly enough, is English. That's <laughs> so good. that's what's taught in school. Yeah. Uh, so particularly the younger kids uh, can read English, and yet they still have a mother tongue, uh, which is interesting to see how they navigate the two worlds. <laughs> Did you reluctantly go to Uganda the first time? Kind of heard a story behind the scenes. <laughs> That you were put in uh, maybe an uncomfortable position when you first went there to start a church or do ministry well, that you hadn't done before. You know, the best way to learn is just jump in. Somebody says, go, you're going to go plant a church. So we were, Henry Hutton was in our small couples group, and I'd heard him for two years go to Uganda, coming back, telling these incredible stories of planting with a, a mother church who wanted to plant a church planning a church in four days. I mean, that sounds absolutely outrageous. <laughs> That's what he said him and Lisa were doing. So I went, just like he said, you're looking for the man, uh, a woman of peace. No, I can't do that. I can't plant a church. No, that's your job. Go <laughs> plant a church. So uh, fortunately, you're trained. Uh, the people that you're with have been trained the same way to share the gospel. Uh, most of Africa is rural, uh, particularly in Uganda. 70% of the population, 80% live in rural, far from paved roads. So we would get every day on a dirt road, which turned into a rutted road, which turned in literally to a path. And uh, would, the first day met with a young church plant pastor. Uh, we prayed with this small team. We left to go out for the first day to share the gospel, and he said, you go that way, I go this way. I said, okay. I was about 30 feet on the path. He yelled back and said, oh, the first house is a witch doctor. <laughs> I was scared to death. That, that, that was your house. <laughs> no, it was a witch doctor. No, but that was the house you had to stop at first. That was our first stop. Right. Yeah, me and uh, Peter, the translator. I just freaked. I don't know what to do. I don't know what they do. I don't know what they're going to do my family. <laughs> and I remembered an African-American pastor that was with us that morning. His word was from Matthew 28. All authority. What authority? All authority has been given to you. So, wow. Holy Spirit, please, dear Lord, give me the right word. So that was my first oh. experience in planting a church in four days in Africa. So I continued to go back year after year, uh, looking at eventually over 20 churches, trying to be an encourager, a discipler. And one of the frustrations was if you can't find Bibles for a new church plant in their language, a lot of times you just couldn't find the language. Mm. Or the price was so expensive, it was difficult to, to provide everyone in a new church a Bible. It was really frustrating to me. Mm. So that was my first experience in that setting in Africa. So this partnership where you have co-founded Africa Bible Ministries, is there a connection between that and the American Bible Society? Absolutely. So in 2017, I was whining, literally, because I whine. Uh, to an <laughs> We all whine, right? This guy named David Isaias is with the American Bible Society, and his role is first Bible, they call it. Put the first Bible into people's hands. And so he told me this example of Cuba, where they were almost at a million Bibles into Cuba, kind of broke the walls down for the government to let Cuba Bibles in. 
and this idea of shepherded Bible. Shepherded Bible. What is that? What does it mean by shepherded Bible? Like if I met you for the first time and said, here's a Bible, um, I, you know, what, what does that mean to you? It really means nothing. By a shepherded Bible, we want to find somebody who is really thirsty for God's Word that we can marry with a pastor, a teacher, a ministry leader who will walk with them to how to open. We find people just say, Mike, I didn't know where Genesis was. If you think about it, right. you've been in church for a while, and you see the pastor open the Bible, but where's Genesis? Mm -hmm. Is there an Old Testament, New Testament? How is that divided? So we want someone to explain, to give them a real foundation in the Word, uh, to teach them how to open it, how to read it, how to study it, how to share it with their family, and most importantly, learned how to share it with others. So a shepherded Bible. Okay. And so that is the plan. Is it a million Bibles you want to take to Uganda? Well, that scares me when you say that. And it took me a long time for me to wrap my arms around it, but I realized it really wasn't my arms I was wrapping it. It was God's arms. Yeah. So it's really beyond a million when you think about it uh, because of the need, not just in Africa. There are so many people that absolutely cannot afford a Bible. It's true in India. It's true in South America, many of the undeveloped countries. When we began thinking about how do you do this, what is our target, to use a marketing term? Uh, so it's very clear that if you're living uh, a rural poor or urban poor, uh, that you can't afford a Bible. So that automatically was someone we wanted to reach. Number two, 49% uh, of all of Ugandans are 15 years or younger, which is just a staggering statistic. And as we went around kind of talking about this with national leaders, uh, church leaders, ministry leaders in Uganda, regional leaders, and then ministry leaders actually on the ground doing the work and churches doing the work, Every one of them said, this is the most important task that we have. Wow. The next Billy, uh, they don't use Billy Graham, but the next Billy Grahams are sitting in classrooms today. And if we don't reach them, uh, the impact of Western culture because of phones and TVs actually getting into these little villages is uh, hardening the hearts of these children. And so uh, they recognize the importance of uh, impacting them with the Bible, yes, with the Word of God, with the Gospel. They, you know, a lot of them are Christians already, right. so they are the church. I've really enjoyed our time together, Kerrigan, on today's Mid-South Viewpoint program, bringing our listeners these three special segments from the archives of Mid-South Viewpoint, and I just hope it was an encouragement and a blessing to those who listen. Today's show is available at BotRadioNetwork.com or on your favorite podcast platform like Spotify and iTunes. Thanks for listening. For Byron Tyler, I'm Kerrigan Santos.